I'm so happy that you're here. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me today in the epistle of First Peter chapter 5, and let's talk about today living free from all anxiety. Wow, how about that? Wouldn't that be amazing to step into a walk with the Lord where you're just not troubled about anything? You're, you are aware of things, but you have, you have such a peace in the Lord that your heart is not troubled. Let's endeavor by faith to step into that place today and talk about it. We're going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 7, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into Your Word today, that You will quicken Your Word by Your Holy Spirit, and help us to live the stress-free, anxiety-free life. We thank You, Father, that You promise us the potential to come into this. You tell us how, and help us to make application of it today. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say, Amen. Well, before we jump into the Scriptures, uh, let me mention that our Pure Gold television program is now airing on ISN, the It's Supernatural Network, and it's on every Thursday, three times on Thursday. You can catch it in the morning, if you're an early bird, at 4.30 in the morning, Eastern Time. It also will air at 12.30 lunchtime, that's also Eastern Time, and uh, if you're up in the evening, 8.30 at night, uh, which is a great spot, a lot of people watching at that time, 8.30 at night on the uh, It's Supernatural Network, and you can uh, watch that by uh, different platforms. You can actually see ISN, which is a 24-hour network. You can see it on YouTube, or you can go to the It's Supernatural website, and click on the link that says, or the header that says ISN, which stands for It's Supernatural Network, and you can watch uh, right there from their website as well. Again, the times are 4.30 in the morning, 12.30 at lunch, and 8.30 at night. And the Pure Gold program is up and running on the first network. We give God praise. Thank you for all uh, of the Pure Gold Covenant partners, everybody that sold into that. Thank you so much. And you know we all share in the in the eternal rewards together, and it's just such a joy to be proclaiming God's good news around the world on the first on the first network that we're on, and I believe there will be many others. So we're very excited about what God is doing. Also on our ministry homepage, there's a little spot where you can sign up to get our monthly newsletter, and the newsletter is going out. Oh, maybe tomorrow, uh, probably within 48 hours, maybe within 24 hours. So if you haven't signed up to receive that, please sign up and it will come to your inbox. Some people say they've signed up and they're not getting it. If that's the case where you actually submitted your email, uh, we are sending it, but sometimes people, they, I, I don't know, they've got, they've got things going on with their account where some things go straight into a junk account. <laughs> and uh, you never know what's in the junk account. Usually it's junk. But sometimes people, uh, for whatever reason, uh, it's going there. If, that, if that's the case, just re-sign up again. Uh, you know, go to the website, stephenbrooks.org, type in your email address, and submit it. We'll get it, and hopefully it'll come right to you. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Um, today we're talking about casting your cares on the Lord. And we're going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 5. I think we should start in verse 6. It'll make a little more sense. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you or lift you up in due time. So humility is very important uh, to come into a place of peace. Ooh, hallelujah. You know, there are those that have the what is described as the type A personality. And, and, you know, if you have that, that's fine. God made you like that. But that can be a very driving personality where you just go, 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 go all the time. I think type A personalities especially have to guard their hearts against becoming anxious about things because they stack their plate so full. And uh, it's very easy to overload the plate. And then all of a sudden you're, you're doing so much you're, you're just running all over the place, and things are troubling you because maybe uh, projects aren't moving fast enough, 
or other other variables that are starting to bug you and irritate you. And you'll find out if you don't manage those things with the peace of God, that there there is just enough, there's not enough hours in the day to do everything sometimes that you want to do, if that's your if that's your personality. So, you know, you can you can work yourself into an early grave, and people have done that. And, you know, I, I think sometimes that even if you had a 40-hour day, there would be people that would fill that up and still would not have enough time to get everything done. So you have to manage things properly, and you have to stay in the peace of the Lord, or even good things can begin to just infringe on such a way that you just lose all of your peace. And, you know, there's always something to do, right? But, uh, you know, you just can't let it drive you crazy. You have to know how to live in a lifestyle where you're just not anxious about things. You're not troubled. You're not like in a stress zone continually. Woo, that's not a fun place to be. And so let's delve into this. It says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Well, the Lord really does care for us. Uh, he loves us. You can imagine, um, it would really grieve your heart if you saw your child, your son or your daughter, just stressed out all the time, just overwhelmed with cares and the burdens of life and the, the responsibilities of life. And, and maybe even to the point where there's like, um, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I would say mental difficulties, but it's not good for a person's brain or mind to be under just constant stress like that. No, you would try to counsel your son or your daughter and say, "Hey, you know, life is complicated, but it's not that complicated. There's a lot of stuff you can't control. A lot of things within your life that you can, but uh, you know, you're just going to have to learn to handle this." Uh, in a way where this stuff doesn't drive you crazy. Uh, uh, and you know, really, when you go through life, as you go along in life, you do realize that sometimes certain things that we think are just the ultimate, you know, this has got to happen. Later in life, you realize, you know, that really wasn't that big of a deal. I remember when I was in high school, and I, I'm not sure why it happened. I, I was in, you know, I was in marching band and, and in band for quite a few years, all through, um, junior high and then through high school. Finally, when I was a senior, I, I don't, for whatever reason, I quit band. I thought, you know, wh why am I doing this? I don't even really like it that much. So I got out of band and, uh, uh, it, it was, it was fun, but the, I guess the fun wore off. And, but I remember, I think it was my junior year that the band, uh, the band director told us we're going to Six Flags. Whoo! I thought that was the ultimate. So I was even praying, Jesus, you know, I've heard about my, my preacher talking about the rapture, and you're going to come back. Lord, Lord, I, I want you to come back, but can you wait till at least we get back from Six Flags? <laughs> well, what's going on? The, the, the mindset, the mentality of a high schooler, and, uh, you know, I was all anxious, and uh, I, anxiety about, you know, Lord, don't let me miss, miss Six Flags. Well, I didn't miss it. We went uh, it's kind of a blur now. Looking back on it, I can't even really remember a lot about it. I just knew that, you know, from the perspective of a high school student, that was like the ultimate, and I was all worked up about it, and uh, well, it came and went. Uh, you know, today, uh, I, I don't know if you could pay me to go to Six Flags. I, I have no interest in it. But, you know, we don't need to get stressed out or worked up about anything. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to Jesus. Now, Casting all your care upon him. Well, you, you think, well, how, how do I do that? Well, um, Peter goes into a little more detail oriented steps of how we can do it. Uh, excuse me, Paul does. Paul goes into the steps, he tells us how to do it. Peter just tells us that we need to do it. He's more to the point look, cast your care over on the Lord. And really, uh, what Peter is doing right here in this verse, he's actually quoting from Psalm 55. And, you know, these guys really knew the Old Testament. They didn't have what we know today as the New Testament. So, so much of what they would say, or they would expand upon, would be from the Old Testament Scriptures. And he's actually quoting from Psalm 55, and it would be verse 22. And it says in the, in the Hebrew, or in the Old Testament, cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Now, I like this. It says, He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 
and some things can rush into your life unexpectedly or you can be you know paddling on in your in your canoe going through the river of life and everything's fine and then suddenly you're in uh, you're in some kind of a rapid or, or turbulent water and you're like Lord I didn't know this was coming uh, but you know you just need to know that no matter what life throws at you or what kind of test or situation you may find yourself in that the Lord will never permit the righteous, by the way, that's you, to be moved. You're not going to be swept away. You're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be overcome. You're not going to lose everything. You're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to lose your money. Uh, you just need to settle down and get the care, the worry of that stuff over on the Lord. Just throw it on Him as an act of faith. Just say, God, uh, and, and really this is also why Peter when he made that statement, he led into it by talking about the importance of humility. Humble yourself, uh, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord's going to lift you up. He'll exalt you at the right time. But I think that when we're casting our care on the Lord, and we're saying, Lord, I'm going to give this to you, it's really an acknowledgement of saying, God, there are elements of life that are too big for me to handle. Now, there are people that are very arrogant that won't do that. They'll, they'll say, I can handle anything. They're, say, they're saying that because they don't know the Lord. But when you know how big and strong the Lord is, and how faithful He is, and how good He is, you'll be quick to want to give it over into His hands. And actually, you're, you're glad that He's saying, hey, let me have it. Because there are moments in life where things can pop up, and it doesn't matter how deep your pockets are, how much money you have, how smart how smart you are, or whatever the case might be, there are some things in life that can be bigger than you, and you need to humble yourself and cast your care over on the Lord. You know, you think about uh, Steve Jobs, the brilliant man that raised up Apple and was the inventor of, you know, so many amazing things, especially the iPhone, but, uh, you know, he ran into something that was bigger than him. And, you know, in the prime of his life with, you know, tremendous wealth and tremendous accomplishments, he got sick. And the best doctors in the world could not cure him. And some of the wisest, you know, and the wealthiest counselors came to visit him. And they couldn't help him either. And you know what? He died. And sadly, I think he died without Christ. So, my friends, there needs to be humility in our lives where we acknowledge and admit that there can be things in life that could come against us that are bigger than us. But thank God that we have Jesus because there's nothing, there's no one or there's no thing that's bigger or stronger than Jesus. Praise God. So when Jesus says, hey, take all of your cares and your, your little bitty problems in my sight and throw them on me because this is what you need to understand. Jesus not only can handle your cares, He can handle the cares of the whole world all thrown on Him all at the same time. Now you know you and I can't do that. Even if somehow you could handle yours, you can't handle that person's and that person's and that person's. You would get overwhelmed in a moment. But really, you and I, there's things in life where we can't even handle our own cares, much less other people start stacking their cares on you. Uh, no, no, this is the stuff only God can do. So when Jesus says, hey, toss all of your care over on me, we should be like, yeah, hey, Lord, that's a good deal. Be glad to give you all of that stuff. Let you take care of it, Lord, because it's beyond me. Well, we need to do that. And, and I, I just believe that God wants you to be free from any kind of worry any kind of hurt, any kind of troubling things. When you look at Psalm 55, and you see that verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I think it helps us to also grab some of the context out of Psalm 55, which is a psalm written by David, who was betrayed by his most trusted advisor. Actually, his advisor was so smart and so brilliant that really David said his counsel was like the counsel of God. Well, that person turned on him and became a traitor in a time of trial for David. And 
David actually talks about it in the psalm beginning in verse 12 and you actually see prophetic foreshadowing of what Judas would do to Jesus and you think about the pain inflicted but listen to this Psalm 55 verse 12 this is what David said about his advisor who betrayed him for it is not an enemy who reproaches me then I could bear it nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me then I could hide from him but it was you a man my equal my companion and my acquaintance we took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng while wow. David was betrayed by his most brilliant advisor and that advisor not only betrayed David but also counseled the false king that he connected with of how to overthrow and kill David oh when David found out that he had been betrayed he was just like wow didn't uh, didn't see that one coming and so it was such an epic betrayal it actually gives prophetic, uh, prophetic symbolism of what would happen with Jesus and what would be done to him by Judas now we know that Jesus of course knew all along that Judas was going to betray him but but still it was hard I mean because you know it's, it's just these are difficult complex things so in light of this verse 22 David said cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you okay Peter picked up on that and said the same thing and it says he shall never permit the righteous to be moved I just want you to know you're not going to be evicted you're not going to lose your house you're not going to lose your property you're not going to lose your business you're not going to lose the things that God has put into your life that things may look shaky you may seem like things are hitting you but I want to speak to you that I know that you love the Word of God and I know that you build your life on the Word of God and Jesus taught the parable about about the the person who built their life upon his teachings and that's like the person who built their life on the rock solid bedrock foundation and when when trials and storms came the house stood and your house is going to stand you're going to be blessed and you're going to come through this situation don't let anything trouble you maybe you're facing a lawsuit maybe you're facing uh, some papers that you received that gave you a very negative report maybe you're facing something that just unexpectedly swept into your life I just want you to know that Jesus has it just go ahead and cast it over on the Lord you're going to be okay and when it's all said and done that thing's going to blow over and you're still going to be standing and I, I even prophesy over your life you're going to be thriving in the goodness of the Lord he shall never permit the righteous to be moved you're not going anywhere you're not losing anything the enemy is not taking one single thing away from you you're blessed and God's going to establish you even stronger in his blessing and you're going to you're going to just prosper no matter what is going on around you praise the Lord now let's continue on and let's go to now some things that the Apostle Paul said and this would be addressed to the church in Philippi uh, in the book that we know as Philippians chapter 4 praise God Philippians chapter 4 we're talking today about complete freedom from anxiety glory to God that it is possible in Christ not outside of Christ but in Christ it is possible to be in a place where you're not troubled and that doesn't mean that you know like we're trying to escape to a remote island where we don't face any problems because the moment you get to the remote island you're going to start to wonder um, I wonder if there's any fresh water on here because you can't drink the salt water you're going to have to uh, wonder I wonder uh, what, what I'm going to eat are there any you know banana trees or coconut trees so there as long as you're on this planet there's not anywhere that you can go where you can escape uh, certain things where you're just in the flow of life but we can be in a place where we are in the peace of God no matter what is taking place around us and you know what the peace peace sometimes can be so beautiful and it can be so seen that you don't even need to shout you just stand out when the peace of God 
is on you. Glory to God. That's going to be your testimony. Now, let's begin in Philippians chapter 4. Let's go straight to it in verse 6. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. I really believe that God wouldn't tell us to do this if it were not possible to do it. If it were impossible to get into this place, then God has created an injustice because it couldn't be done. But for Him to tell us we can do it means that it is possible. Be anxious for nothing. Now just say, I'm going to do it. Even if you don't know how yet, just say, I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let me, let me cover this just briefly. Here we see prayer, and then we see the word supplication. And sometimes uh, in other verses, you'll see the word intercession. And sometimes young believers, they look at these different forms of prayer, and they're like, what, what's what? Uh, they're, they're each different. They're, they're similar, but they're, they're each different, because in the Greek, the words are actually different. Prayer, when you look at the the very core meaning of prayer in the Greek language, it actually refers primarily to devotion. You're coming before God, having communication with God in the sense of just devotion. God, I'm just hanging out with you, talking with you, having a wonderful time with you. Really, in the basic element of prayer, the lowest or the most common denominator, that's really what prayer is. It denotes devotion. Okay, now when you get over to supplication, supplication is prayer, but it moves into a different realm of prayer where supplication in the Greek refers to a specific request. And usually, when it's using the word supplication, it is a specific request for something that you are requesting for yourself. That's what supplication is. Intercession also involves making a specific request, but in the Greek it's usually a, a request that you're making on behalf of somebody else. Okay? So prayer is primarily devotion. You're spending time with God because you love Him. Supplication, you are making a specific request, usually that is something for yourself. Intercession, making specific requests, but usually it's not for you, it's for somebody else. Praise God. Okay, now, this is good to know when we're talking about how to get these cares, this anxiety thrown over on the Lord, because the Lord's wanting it. He's wanting it actually right now. Some of you are, you're, you're troubled about certain things, and it's not good for you. You're not designed to handle stress and anxiety. It's not good for your physical body. It's not good for your, your heart. You know, get your, uh, your, it's not good for your blood pressure. So God wants you to be in a place of stress-free, worry-free. He wants you in that peace zone. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer. Well, that's kind of why I'm relaxed right now. I'm actually wearing my, uh, my workout clothes, because uh, not because I've been out doing gymnastics, but I've, I've, I've just finished praying. And when I pray, I like to, uh, I like to pray relaxed. But if I'm really getting into pray, uh, to prayer, I like to be comfortable. And so I like to wear things that, that, that help me with that. So when I'm praying, that's what I'm doing. Spending time with the Lord, and then getting over in the supplication. Glory to God. So I've got my workout clothes on. Hallelujah. And that's what you need to do to cast care over on the Lord. You're going to have to stay with the Lord in prayer, in fellowship, and then you're going to, you're going to want to do some supplicating from the perspective of, Lord, there's something I need you to do. Okay? So you just spend time with the Lord, getting those things over on the Lord, and don't leave your prayer closet or your place of private devotion until you have done that. Um, let me see if I could expand on this a little bit to help you understand a few things. Uh, the past few weeks I've, I've read some very interesting, I would call it testimonies from, from spouses whose husbands have died, died unexpectedly, died at an age that was quite young, and 
these wives, their husbands were ministers. Most of them were pastors. And I'll just give you an example. One wife, she's, you know, she was talking about her husband. He was a well-known pastor. He died. And when he died, you know, the church was like, wow, he, you know, he, he taught faith. He taught prayer. He taught victory in Jesus. He taught divine healing. And yet he died. And, you know, sometimes people are, they're, they're puzzled by things like that. But the wife, one of the wives, you know, I'll give some different examples. Uh, one of these ladies, uh, of course, the wife that was married to this particular pastor who died young, in his 50s, she said, you know, my husband really loved the Lord, but suddenly he got hit with, with a type of cancer, a certain type of cancer. And, you know, he, he's always loved the Lord, but he's always been so busy doing this for the Lord, all these works for the Lord, and that, you know, he would quote Scripture and confess Scripture. Uh, and I, she said, I did that with him, and, you know, he still died. And she said, you know, I was talking with the Lord sometime later after, you know, there's time for healing and time to get past, you know, the, the sorrow of the losing your spouse. Although she went to heaven, you know, there's still, you know, there's sadness there. She said, Lord, what happened? What, where were we missing it at? And the Lord just told her so clearly. She said, you, the Lord said, he said, you had it in your head, but you didn't have it in your heart. Now, they, they had salvation in their heart, but they didn't have that fullness of the word and that peace that that spending time with God brings and so while they were just trying to you know still just running and gunning and doing all this stuff they never really slowed down to get into the Lord's presence and hang out and pray and just uh, uh, just get into that place where you get you begin to get absorbed with the peace of God but you know she said we didn't do that and so it was never like real to him although he was a great preacher uh, and uh, he knew a lot of stuff he he could tell others what to do but he actually himself wasn't really even practicing what he was preaching so you know that's the thing uh, you you can be a Christian and you may you may know what you're supposed to do but if you don't do it Yes, you can get overwhelmed with anxiety. It can eat you up. Even as a spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer, you, you can shout hallelujah and just be overcome with anxiety at the same time you're shouting hallelujah. What you need to do is you need to slow down, sit down with the Lord, and just begin to pray. And I'm not talking about some 10-minute prayer. If you really want to come into the peace of the Lord, you need to just sit yourself down for a little while and hang out with Jesus and just pray and let, let him touch you, let him bless you, and then after you've had fellowship with him, you know, share with him the thing that would be troubling you, and say, Jesus, in faith, I'm giving this to you, and just stay there until you really feel that, that faith in your heart where you've gotten that thing over on him, and if you'll just hang out with him, uh, that thing will begin, that, that trouble will begin to leave you. Glory to God. You know, I love the story that that, uh, you know, th these are very real life situations. I love the story that Dr. Jerry Falwell told years back. Now, of course, he's, he's lived this life out. He died. He's in heaven now. Um, who knows? Maybe he's leaning over the balcony of heaven, and he's kind of listening as I'm telling you this story, because I, I know it blesses so many people. But he had, he had tremendous pressure come against him that could certainly produce what you and I would call anxiety. It could certainly make you anxious. Because when you're a leader, you have a lot of people looking at, uh, at you. And, you know, when you have a lot of people employed, and, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're trusting you that you're living right, and you're walking with God, and the provision's going to flow. And, you know, when you have challenges, you know, a lot of people are looking to you. Well, he had the great challenge, a financial challenge, where debt began to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, incurred, and they, they just got into deep debt. They got into, you know, tens of millions of dollars of debt, and it began stacking up, stacking up, and, you know, they, they just, uh, they just had a real problem with debt, and Jerry Falwell, you know, said, you know, you know, you could feel that anxiety. You can feel that pressure, and what was going on is that the debt problem got so bad with their university 
he said the accreditation society, or it's not really society, but the accreditation system, which was a, a group of college, uh, colleges and directors over that, they said, you, your debt problem is so bad that if you don't get it fixed, we're going to pull your accreditation, and your, your university is not going to be accredited. And, you know, nobody wants to go to a university that has no accreditation because, you know what, you, you can issue a diploma, but it doesn't mean anything. It's not, a, it's not accredited by anybody. So he said, he said it was like he was looking down the barrel of a double-barrel shotgun that was pointed right at him. A double-barrel shotgun. The two barrels. Number one, the massive debt problem. Number two, losing accreditation. And, you know, God had used him to raise up this university. And he really began to pray. And he really began to seek the Lord. And the Holy Spirit strengthened him to go on a fast. There is something about prayer and fasting. You don't always need to fast. But I think, again, I, you know, I want to I want to speak maybe just to, uh, for a moment to my spirit-filled friends in the Word of Faith circles. Because, you know, I was in Word of Faith for many years, and I still love Word of Faith teaching. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm in that camp, but um, I, I love the Word of Faith. But there's a lot of ministers in the Word of Faith circles, they think fasting is just total baloney. They think that you don't need to fast, you just pray, and, you know, you'll be okay. But uh, when real-life challenges hit you, um, there is something very special about going before the Lord with prayer, with supplications, with intercession, and you throw some fasting in there, and it is amazing how you mix prayer and fasting, that even though the problem may not yet be fixed, there comes like a blanket of God's presence over your life, and anxiety just goes, whoop, just falls off of you. And I can't explain it unless you've actually done it. Those of you that have uh, sought the Lord with prayer, uh, with, uh, yeah, prayer and fasting, you know what I'm talking about, it's just like you go numb to worry, and it, uh, all of this stuff can still be surrounding you, but you, it's almost like you can laugh at it, you're just not troubled by it, you just somehow know God's got it, and you can't explain it, you don't know how God's going to fix it, or how God's going to heal it, or deal with it, you just know God's got this, and it's just the most amazing uh, uh, sensation of faith, and that's really what it is, it's faith exploding in your heart, and I thought it was so cool because Jerry Falwell, he did a 40-day fast, and he was really just crying out to God, God, you know, fix this, you know, send, send provision. Lord, it looks like the ship is sinking. Help! And the, and the Lord Jesus spoke to his heart and said, I don't want to talk with you about money while you're seeking me. I just want your, your relationship to be close to me again, you know, because ministers can get real busy doing all kinds of good things, and they begin to forsake, you know, what holds it all together, and that is a strong, vibrant, devotional life. And so his prayer life had really slipped. So he fasted for 40 days, and for 40 nights, and sought God with much prayer, and he said after the 40 days were over, and he started eating again, he ate for 21 days and regained the weight, he said nothing really changed. But he just knew somehow that God was going to help him. But af after 21 days, after he came off that 40-day fast, after 21 days of re-eating and kind of gaining his weight back again, and he said he gained it all back in 21 days. That's always one of the fun sides of fasting, is when you come off of it, food tastes so good. It also can, it also can cause healing to come into your body. But he said, the Lord spoke to him, he said, now, he said, now I would like to talk with you about money. Woo! So he went right back into another 40-day fast, because why? The debt problem is still there, and the, the potential loss of accreditation, it's still hanging over him. These are very real situations. And so he fasted again for 40 days and for 40 nights with no food, and he came off that fast, lost all that weight again, and came off that fast and just sensed in his heart that God's going to do something. Well, God certainly did do something, for sure. It was just a, a few weeks after that when a, uh, a very wealthy businessman and his wife visited Dr. Falwell and gave him a check for $50 million. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, 
uh, that'll certainly make you shout and rejoice. And it was another, uh, another large check came in after that. Praise God. Well, they were able to really hit that debt and deal with that debt and start paying it off and getting it completely removed. And would you know it that today, uh, Liberty University now has an endowment that has now exceeded a billion dollars. Wow, how about that from, from being plunged into tens of millions of dollars of debt to now being in a place where you're not in the negative, you actually have a billion dollars in your endowment fund. Wow, powerful what God can do. But you know what, if, if Dr. Falwell had not sought the Lord and said, you know what, this thing is bigger than me, God, I can't handle this. Lord, I humble myself. I'm casting this care over on you. And I know that I know that you can handle it. I'm going to really pray and seek you because I want my walk with you. Right. And you know what? Uh, I'm just saying that sometimes it's not like you can just throw up a little bitty prayer when you've got a great big problem and just walk away from it and somehow think that anxiety and worry are not going to touch you. You really need to find the secret place of the Most High God. You really need to do whatever it takes to get into that Psalm 91 where you are abiding under the shelter of the Almighty. Woo, hallelujah, because the bigger problem you have, the greater peace that you need to seek after, and you really, really must press into the Lord. <clears throat> but if you'll do that, you can have peace even in the greatest storm. Because you might not be a minister who's raised up a Christian university. You might be a man or a woman who's raised up a corporation that employs thousands and thousands of people and has a budget that runs over a billion dollars annually. Well, if you're, if you're having some difficult times and you're, you're feeling the heat, you're feeling that anxiety, you need to know that Jesus is big enough to handle it and you need to cast it over on him and draw real near to him. And when you do that, that peace of God, it's a peace unlike anything else in the world. It is a peace that literally comes from God. It's the same peace that God enjoys every moment, every single day, and every second of every day. The same peace that engulfs God can engulf you. Woo, hallelujah. And let me tell you what, the moment you get into that peace, God's already working on it. Your situation is going to turn. And you really can say, not out of your head, like some people have done, and then, and then they still go under. But you can really say out of your heart, we're going to be okay. God's got this. Woo, hallelujah. But I'll tell you right now, you need to be walking close to the Lord and not giving some kind of fake representation of Christianity. That's what confuses people is when people who are saying one thing of how good God is, then they go down. The, the reason they go down is because they're not working it in their own life. And God is big enough to deliver you. God is big enough to help you. But I would highly encourage you to sit down in the presence of the Lord and find his peace, find his heart, get a hold of the heartbeat of God. And you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. Hallelujah. You know, uh, before I, I taught this message uh, to you, before well, I was in prayer, and while I was in prayer, my eyes happened to catch, there's a picture on the wall of the studio here. Uh, and it's a picture that was given to me and, and my wife as a prophetic gift. Uh, it's two men worshiping Jesus at the western wall. I, I can't have the camera panned over there right now because it's, it's just a single camera on me. But, you know, uh, I was looking at that picture earlier because I, I remember it's been, it's probably been over 10 years now when internet streaming was still in its infancy. And this, this was, this was over a decade ago when there was no streaming in 1080p high definition like you're enjoying right now. There wasn't even 720p. There wasn't even 380p. There was just like a real low, what they would call standard definition, grainy, you know, kind of like, you know, fuzzy image. And, you know, we would stream that. We did the best we could because that's all we had. That's the highest levels of technology they had back then. And I remember that I started doing that almost like, because the Lord told me to do it. So I'm streaming 
uh, it, you know, the Lord told me to do it almost with like fear and trembling. Lord, is this going to work? You know, uh, you, you know, I, I, having to expend extra money for, you know, for the streaming platform and the streaming subscription and getting the cameras and getting the gear and, you know, hiring somebody to, you know, uh, help me learn this while they're also operating it all. And, and I, I was just like, Lord, um, Lord, I, I believe I've heard from you, but Lord, I just need to hang out with you and get your peace. And so I, I spent a lot of time with the Lord, just hanging out with the Lord with peace. And then we had a snowstorm and I couldn't get down to the studio to stream. So I decided, well, I'll stream it from my house. I have internet from the house. And although we're in the midst of a snowstorm and I can't even get to the studio, I'll just stream live from the house. So my wife, she actually took that, that oil painting that I just mentioned to you and she put it behind me as a backdrop and, um, and you know, so we could have like a, a little set in our house that looked like a little internet streaming studio. Well, I started to stream and I'm streaming live and I'm teaching and, but you know, I had, I'd gotten so prayed up. I'd gotten so into the presence of the, of the Lord that I wasn't worried about anything. I was just happy. And I just felt God was with me and God, you know, God had called me to do it. And I wasn't worried about where's the money going to come from or anything like that. And so I'm streaming on the internet, but the chat, uh, the chat was on, uh, those of you that see me stream online, I turn the chat off. I have my web administrator turn it off because we've had whole groups of yucky people get on the chat and they'll, they'll try to just blast all kinds of profanity and do all kinds of, you know, that, that's why we turn the chat off because we've had uh, too many people that are under the inspiration of, of the devil get on there and try to disrupt what we're doing. So we just shut that off. But at that time when I was streaming, I had the chat on. And um, there, there were some, you know, ministry partners that were watching, and one of the ministry partners popped in on the chat and said, uh, Pastor Stephen, you need to turn around and look at the picture. This is amazing what's going on. Well, the picture behind me, the face of Jesus appeared on the picture. I, I mean, alive, and he's looking at everybody that was watching. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, anybody that, that was watching that live streaming session saw the face of the Lord, and it was there for quite some time. I, uh, I, I could turn around later, because they were telling me this, I turned around later, and I was like, whoa, that, 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 and I can look at that picture of that painting right now, and it's not there. It was a super manifestation of the face of Jesus, and basically Jesus saying, hey, you've cast your cares over on me, I've got this thing for you, and you know what, he did get it, I mean, we've been streaming on the internet for over 10 years, we've never had a hiccup, all we've ever done is expand and increase more and more and more, so, you know, the Lord's able to cover you, and he's able to strengthen you and support you, but you've, you've got to give it to him, um, by the way, we don't have that, that message that was streamed, that was over 10 years ago, and when we switched platforms from the old live stream to the new live stream and kind of wiped out a lot of our, our uh, old recordings. But nevertheless, I still got the painting. Hallelujah. Come visit me sometime and I'll show you the painting. Praise the Lord. It's the painting where the face of Jesus appeared on it and many, many people saw it live. You know, that happened with Stephen Jeffries, the great British evangelist when God called him into more of a frontline ministry where he was preaching. There was probably about 300 people in the meeting, and while he's preaching back behind him, a lamb appeared on the wall, and the lamb, it was the lamb of God, the lamb started bleeding, and everybody in the meeting saw it, and they're telling Brother Jeffries what's behind him while he's preaching, but he never looked back, he just kept on preaching. And then the, the lamb that was bleeding turned into Jesus, the man of sorrows. Some people could even see the crown of thorns going around his head. But the, the face of Jesus as the man of sorrows was looking at all the people in the congregation. I mean, I, I'm talking eyes moving, everything. And then when Brother Jeffries finished uh, preaching, then he turned around and saw it himself. Well, he stayed there for the whole time it was on the wall, and the face of Jesus was on the wall. I mean, looking at you, that they even brought, it was there for three hours. They went out and told people, said, anybody wants to see it, especially if you're an agnostic, atheist, skeptic, or believer, or unbeliever, this is your moment, come look right now. And none of the, the, the doubters that did doubt that came and looked, 
Nobody could explain it. I mean, it was supernatural. I mean, the, the eyes on the wall would follow you, the eyes of Jesus. He would look at you, and it stayed there. You know, people eventually left, but Stephen Jeffrey stayed there for the whole time. It was on, it was on the wall, pondering you know, what was taking place. And by the way, it was just a few days after that when World War II started. So um, it had a lot of prophetic implications, but it was also a sign. Uh, it was a wonder, a supernatural wonder that really launched Stephen Jeffries into um, a major heavyweight miracle working in the anointing uh, where stadiums were packed out. And uh, you know, you know, you've maybe some of you've heard about the Jeffrey brothers, uh, that would be Stephen and George Jeffries. Powerful, powerful, I mean, just incredible ministries. Well, in some ways, the launch of that was that night. You know, there was a time also when, when Pastor Benny Hinn was ministering, when he was very young in the ministry, he was, uh, he was preaching one time, and while he was preaching, on the wall appeared the face of Jesus, but it was more of like a silhouette but you could see the entire outline. And whenever Benny Hinn would preach, the mouth would preach in exact synchronization, uh, synchronization with him. And so it, it was wild. People saw it by, you know, by the boatload. And they're watching it. What was that? A sign of wonder. These things have happened throughout church history. It's happened in my ministry. I share that. I, I feel that some of you, you might encounter something like that. So you need to know when it's happening. Uh, you know, this is this is uh, follow the line of the Pentecostal heritage all through the church, the spirit field, the power experience. It's there many, many times over. Praise God. But my friends, if you'll just wait on the Lord, spend time with the Lord, you'll come into verse 7. Um, let me read verse 6 one more time. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be, be made known to God. Uh, whatever that request is, whatever it would be, let, let it be made known to God. And the, stay with the Lord until you know He's got it. Stay in the presence of the Lord. If it does take, like with Brother Falwell, some fasting to get into that presence of the Lord because the anxiety is so strong, then, then you can use that also as a spiritual tool. But stay there and you will very quickly, it doesn't take long to get into verse 7, you'll get into verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And that's true. It will come on you so strong that it doesn't make any sense. Why? Maybe the dilemma, the problem, the challenge is still there, but it doesn't phase you. You, you have no anxiety. You're, you have no worry. You have no fear. You just know the Lord's got it, and He's going to resolve it, and everything is going to be okay. But I tell you what, this is one of the, this is one of the crown jewels of the Christian experience. When life can seem like it can be so overwhelming, you just, you just are like in total peace. And it, it really does surpass all understanding. Even, even your mind, there's a part where your mind is like, well, I should be worried, but I'm not. This is, uh, this is just so cool. This is just so neat. And you're abiding, you're abiding in that presence. I have a prophetic friend of mine, He's more of an apostle, but he, uh, he flows in a very strong prophetic anointing. And, uh, you know, he told me about the time that he was in another country ministering, and uh, he went to go back to his little, his little room that they were keeping him in. Uh, and this nation wasn't very developed uh, in, in certain areas. Uh, and so he woke up in the middle of the night, and the, uh, the little dog that was in the house was barking. And he wondered what the dog was bark, barking at, and he got out of, out of bed. But he was—he'd been so engulfed in the presence of the Lord because he'd come out of a meeting earlier. He—that—that that peace was still all over him. And he got up and he was looking around to see what the barking was at nighttime. And there was there was a big uh, king cobra that had come into his room, and the king cobra was like standing up, and it was so big and so long and tall, it was almost looking at him eyeball to eyeball. And he, you know, he, he was just saying of how he was looking at that King Cobra that was kind of like positioned to strike, and he, he was actually laughing. And he was kind of laughing. He was intrigued by it. He thought, wow, this, uh, this, this is such a, uh, in some ways, such a beautiful animal. I, I, I think it's going to try to strike me, and it's, uh, you know, but it's such a beautiful animal. He said he wasn't even worried or troubled about it. Well, while he was looking at it, the family dog had snuck up behind it and grabbed it, and, uh, you know, um, uh, 
you know, killed it. Well, maybe the dog needed to kill it because it was about the biting. But, you know, there, there is a place where the peace of God really can go beyond a mental level of understanding. You think, I should maybe be fearful or panicking, but something's holding you together, and you're not, you're not flying apart. Um, it, it's just an amazing thing. Well, it surpasses all understanding, and it will guard your heart and your mind, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This is the peace that Jesus lives in. He wants it to come on you. He wants you to experience it. You have to stay real close to Him. And if you're feeling anxiety, and if you're feeling pressure break through and get to you, what does it mean? Go back into the secret place. Get real close to the Lord again. Get back into your prayer, devotional life, and it'll start coming off of you. And just stay in that place with the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, look, my friends, there's a lot of Christians out there. They're popping pills. They're taking all kinds of things to calm their nerves. And they're still troubled. And it's not working. They're still worried. And it's eating them up. Um, I've, I've got a um, prescription for you. It is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. If you will take that prescription, and you will do what the doctor says to do, what Dr. Jesus says to do, um, anxiety will completely leave your life. But you have a part to play in it. Now, right now, anything that would trouble you, maybe it's a money money issue, maybe it's a marital issue, maybe it's a legal issue, maybe you're being sued, um, maybe there's some kind of, um, uh, you're, you're hearing things, uh, maybe certain reports, and it's, it's troubled you. Hallelujah. We live in a we live in the world. We 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 know what to do though. As believers, we know what to do, but we need to do it. Right now, I want you to cast that thing over on the Lord. I want you to go before the Lord and say, Jesus, this is the situation. I'm here to hang out with you and get your peace and just uh, enjoy you. And I want you to be aware of this, and I'm going to cast it over on you. So cast it over on Him. That is a sign of humility that you are not big enough to carry it or handle it, and that you are acknowledging that He is. Woo, hallelujah. Would you let Him do it today? Would you let Him do it right now? He'll take it, and He'll make everything all right for you. Praise God. Praise God. And if some things have broken through into your life that that maybe they uh, it looks it looks like um hmm not quite sure to do what to do about this Jesus is so strong so big so good and so wise he can work all things for good for those that love him okay so right now cast that care over on the lord say lord jesus this thing is bigger than me i cast it i throw it over on you right now i don't want it i can't handle it I give it to you now, by faith. Lord Jesus, I ask you to take it. It's no longer mine to worry about. Now, Lord Jesus, uh, I want to identify what that thing is, and uh, I want to receive your peace, okay? And as we wrap the message up, just hang out with the Lord. Let the anointing that's on the Word, that's on this message, now just begin to comfort you, and let the Lord's presence comfort you, and just spend time with the Lord. And stay in that peace of God. And don't ever come out of it. Don't ever come out of it. It is a very stressed out world out there. And you'll see unbelievers that are highly stressed out. And sadly, you'll even see Christians that are stressed out. Why? They're, they're not doing what we're instructed to do. But we're going to apply this. And we're doing this right now. Let's take Holy Communion. Let's take Communion. Glory to God. Um, let me say this before we're taking communion. If you're in a place where maybe you feel super high anxiety, you may want to throw a little fasting in there with your prayers, because it will help, it will just help expedite your, your drawing near to the heart of God. Hallelujah. And instead of eating, just pray, and spend time with God draw near to the Lord. That stuff just starts to fall off you. It'll start to fall off you so quick. Woo, hallelujah. Like I mentioned earlier, you can actually laugh at it. You just know God's got it. That's, that is an amazing place to be in. Glory to God. I think in many ways we're actually laughing at the enemy who would love to see there to be some kind of, uh, you know, 
unrecoverable, you know, difficulty or challenge that where we, you know, stumble or fall. But God, the Lord Jesus is not going to let you fall. He will never let you be moved, but you've got to let him carry that thing. Let's take communion. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Heavenly Father, we bless our communion today. We bless this bread. We just thank you that it is now the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you that this is now the blood of Jesus. We consecrate it as such. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. I hear the Lord saying, I've got it. Watch Him. Watch Him prove this to you. Watch Him prove the reality of His Word to you. Maybe it's been a while since you've had a miracle. And it's time for you just to have another fresh encounter with the Lord, where your faith is just blessed, and you just like, yep, God's got it. I, and you know, you could say out of your mind, I know God's real, I, I know God's good, I know God's alive, but maybe it's time where you had another fresh encounter with God, where you see God break through for you again. And you really do see Him prove to you that, yep, He's got it all right, He sure took care of that. Wow, it's time. Heavenly Father, we now receive the body of the Lord Jesus. We give you praise. Thank you in Jesus' name for a now miracle. Hallelujah. Let's receive together. Yes, I hear the Lord saying, I've got it. Woo! God's got it. Hallelujah. Now stay very near to the Lord. So this is not some kind of intellectual thing. This is a heart thing. Glory to God. That's where even some ministers have missed it, as I mentioned earlier. They had it in their head, but they just never stopped to take the time to get it in their heart. Wow. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it now. We thank you that we believe you've got it, and we're going to enjoy the journey. We're going to stay in peace. Thank you, O God, that you're here at our prayers. We're staring very close to your heart. Oh God, we give you praise. We thank you also for confirming signs and wonders. Father, maybe somebody is watching. They've never received a supernatural sign ever in their life. Lord, let them have one. Let them have a sign that they're on the right path in their walk with you, with their career, with their, with their marriage, with what you have brought them into, so that it settles forever that question, Lord, was I supposed to do this? Lord, did I make the right decision? Lord, give them a sign that wipes that question away. They'll never have to ask it again. They'll know that they know that you are in this, and they'll never ask that question again because it's settled. Now, we thank you that you give supernatural signs. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I mean, sometimes it can be a real sign, just like the face of Jesus Hallelujah. Don't make fun of stuff like that. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's very, very real. Hallelujah. Glory. Lord Jesus, we thank you for signs and wonders, all which create awe, which inspire wonder that cannot be explained from a natural perspective. It is a supernatural phenomenon. We thank you. We think you'd be very careful, don't judge things like that, because God does things like that. Don't think that's all silly. Some of these things maybe you heard. I tell you, God does some incredible signs and wonders, stuff that's unexplainable. If it weren't, it wouldn't be a sign, or it wouldn't be a wonder. Hallelujah. I, I have found that the that the that the real genuine miracles of God, that they are in some ways. They're, they're wilder than anything that somebody could have fabricated with a counterfeit fake. The stuff that God does that is real, it is so holy, and it is so awesome, and it is so inspiring that, that uh, it does leave you in awe. It does leave you in wonder. So, oh God, do signs, wonders, and miracles. There's a real anointing for a sign. Give your people a supernatural sign to encourage them that they are on the right path. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody, you really need a job. God says, don't worry about it. I've heard your prayers. Now, 
cast that care over on me, stay in faith, you know, look, and you know, make proper application, look around, but it's going to be okay, don't worry, it's going to be all right, the job's going to come through, everything will be just fine. So Father, we give you praise, we receive the blood of Jesus with great thanksgiving, in Jesus' name. Let's drink. Praise God. The peace of God. The peace of God. Don't let the enemy rip you off and, li- and cause you to live in a place of just worry and anxiety. That's not your inheritance. That's not where you're supposed to be camped at. Come on over here to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Talk it all over with the Lord. Give it to the Lord. And just stay in the Lord's presence. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise Him for taking care of it. And you'll see that you're going to walk right through it. Blessed. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people. We thank you for this peace that is a supernatural peace. Let it touch your people now. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.